Dragged into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 24 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Law Media. I'm your host, Brian O'Grady. Here with me, as always, J.A., Justin Ayers, the best. What's going on, dude? Oh, appreciate that. Didn't even have to pay him to say that. Uh, I'm great, man. Yeah, it's it's been great. And, you know, looking forward to this trade deadline. We have a, a trade deadline preview of sorts for you guys today. So it's just going to be Brian and I chopping it up for a little bit. Uh, some storylines to follow, some some of the big headline, some of the big name guys that could be dealt on this uh, August 2nd trade deadline. So no longer July 31st, which kind of breaks my heart. Uh, but before we get to that, we have uh, an announcement about a sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by our friends at Psalm Sleep. Psalm Sleep's beverages are specially formulated to promote relaxation, maintain a, a normal sleep cycle, and support healthy sleep patterns. All you have to do is drink it about 30 minutes before you're ready to go to sleep, and it helps you unwind after a long day. Uh, I definitely need some of these, given my recent sleep patterns of just sleeping like absolute crap. Uh, so I need, I definitely could use uh, some Psalm sleep. So, uh, but here's the big news. So if you go to getsom.com and you click shop at the top and you enter the code BATS, that's B-A-T-S, our code is now good for 10% off your entire order. So, uh, you know, first couple times we, we did this on, on the podcast, it was just kind of a more like, hey, let them know we sent you kind of thing. Enter bats at checkout. You get 10% off your order uh, from our friends at Psalm Sleep. So that is awesome. Please check them out. Um, but yeah, dude, like I said, so this week, trade deadline. It's August 2nd at 6 p.m. Eastern. I don't know why it's like that. Uh, I don't like it. But apparently, the collective a bargaining agreement, they wanted it so uh, the commissioner has the ability to kind of set it himself. So any anytime between July 28th and August 3rd, is when the commissioner has the power to, to set the trade deadline. And he's like, well, the 31st is a Sunday. Let's make it a Tuesday at 6. Why not? Um, you know, July 31st, yeah. I always hold a special place in my heart, though. Yeah, I mean, why not? It's up to Manfred. Why can't, you know, just do it whenever he wants to, whatever makes sense to him. But uh, I can't wait personally for the trade market to heat up, see what happens here. So I can tweet more things and apparently make people mad. So I'm very much looking forward to it and can't wait to talk about all the different things and make ridiculous claims about who should be dealt and who shouldn't be dealt. I'm excited for that. And I'm also excited to read every article that's titled winner and loser of trade. I love you. Give me a, it's like draft grades in football. You give me a winner and loser breakdown, maybe like a bleacher report article on, on who won and who lost like knee jerk. Oh, I'll eat that every single day of the week. Just for, like feed that to me, inject it into my veins, winners and losers. It means nothing. <laughs> it, you know, but it's, it's just, just You just want to call somebody a loser. Oh yeah. That's basically, if, if we get down to the crux of it, it's pretty much just like, oh, well they really messed that one up. And then you can kind of like make fun of whoever did that. So um, we have uh, a couple of the big storylines, some teams, some players. We'll start with the Boston Red Sox. They have had a tough go of it lately. They are two and eight in their last 10. And some of those eight losses include a 28 to five loss to the Blue Jays, a 13 to two and a 14 to one loss to the Yankees on back-to-back nights. So uh, our friends, Matt Strom and, and the gang up there in Boston, I feel for him. It's been tough going lately. So this has kind of led us to, could, could Boston potentially be sellers at this year's trade deadline? It, they don't really seem like a blow it all up kind of team. But they have some pieces that could be dealt. Uh, I mean, when, you, when you're watching these Red Sox teams lose by multiple touchdowns, I mean, does your heart go out to all the fans up there? You know, that's very tough. It's tough because it looked like they were kind of coming around. You know, they were – felt like they were making a push and, and we're going to make it more interesting in the, the AL at least there. Obviously – Chris Sale, man, I mean, that sucks. It's just like one thing after another. Uh, gets hit by a line drive in the finger, his first start back or second start back, whatever. Like, 
that's that just sucks missing him. But yeah, that the 20 the 28 to 5 game was a tough one for sure, man. And I texted our friend um Jared Carabas at that point. Uh and then he tweeted, <laughs> he responded, uh, I said, Rocket, are you hanging in there or whatever? And he and he said, I think I'm gonna drown myself. And I was <laughs> I was so on the train to the stadium and I laughed out loud pretty hard at that and everyone probably thought I was crazy. But uh and then he tweeted it that everyone was texting him and that he was responding <laughs> with <out>. that. <laughs> and uh I was like, yep, he's not lying. But uh yeah, that, that game was tough, man. They uh Sports Center had Sports Center on the other day and they're showing the highlight and they just proceeded to make about well it was like three official errors but the highlight i saw they made about nine so i I don't know what was not getting called an error but it has been a rough go man it's hard to it's hard to see them as this as a seller though you know like it's uh i guess it's just because they're the red Sox, but heim bloom is a smart dude they're gm so if if they think that uh, that they're kind of cooked and they got obviously they got players that people would want, but I you know trading Xander Bogarts, he might be a free agent after this year, but I mean that's a that's your guy in Boston for a long time. Um, same with JD Martinez, like those guys have meant so much to that team over the past however many years. It's tough to tough in my mind to see those guys go maybe some of the pitchers you know Evaldi or even him man he had that that playoff the postseason pitching uh, I don't know I don't know I I don't think they're going to be sellers and I could be way wrong on that but it's just I it, it's just because they're the Red Sox and that's not what they're used to doing I guess what do you think yeah, I don't. I don't know if they if they're going to sell or not. I look at that. They're they're forty nine and forty eight. They're only a half game up on the Orioles right now, which that's that's tough sledding if you're Boston. If you're spending all this money and and the lowly Orioles who have the payroll of like you know a Subway sandwich. That's that's basically what was fueling their team right now. It's 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 embarrassing. I think, and I don't think it's a position they they usually find themselves in. Um, although they did have a weird run there where they win the World Series and be the worst team in baseball the next year. Um, so it's not completely uncharted territory, but I just don't remember them completely trading everybody. Um, well, I guess they did Mookie Betts. But anyway, so here's some of the impending free agents. You <laughs> That's about. true. Yeah, that was a weird <laughs> one. Uh, here's some of the impending free agents that they could get rid of. You're right. Nathan Eovaldi, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts has a player option. Uh, so, you know, he could become a free agent if he wanted to. Uh, I I look at Nathan Eovaldi this year, and he, he started out the year good. He's 4-3 and three with a 4-3 ERA. And I don't know. I don't know if you could get anything significant back for him. J.D. Martinez is getting up there in age. He's 34 this season. He's he's batting 302, but he's been hurt a good portion of it. So there's not really any guy other than Bogarts that your like teams would probably be knocking their door down to get. Um, which kind of leads me to believe that they might just kind of stand pat and see where it goes. Yeah, I I I agree. I don't know. I don't think you. Uh, they're they're just such a powerhouse organization that okay maybe this year doesn't go the way they want it to but next year they could be right back in the middle of of everything so it's like do you really want to risk sending these guys away and having to totally figure out the rest next year or in the offseason or you know just hold on to everybody get a new deal done with Xander Bogarts and um, you know, J.D. Martinez, man, I, I feel like he's the next Nelson Cruz. I feel like he's a guy who's going to be able to hit until he's 42 at, at that DH spot. So I think uh, I think they just kind of hold pat, do their thing, see how the, the rest of the season goes. And, you know, next year they'll they'll be right back in the middle of it. And I don't think the Yankees are going to be the uh, best team of all time two years in a row. That's a pretty good way of looking at it. Uh, next up for you guys, uh, the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, my, my Baltimore Orioles. They, they're in a little bit of a pickle here, 
and it's not for the reasons that you might think. They're in a pickle because I think the organization and the, and the GM probably didn't think that they would win this much. Uh, they kind of surprised <laughs> everybody. I'm sure even themselves. How I'm sure it's like the it's like major league that they're trying to suck and then they just win despite them. It might be one of those situations because right now they're at 500. They're three and a half out of a wild card, and Baseball Reference has them with a 15% chance of making the playoffs. This team was 52 and 110 last year. And there's a 15% chance that they can make the playoffs with this expanded wild card. Um, but yeah, there's a couple guys, uh, some some really some really tough ones if they do end up dealing them. Uh, you know, namely Trey Mancini. He's 30 years old. He's the primary DH, 268, nine home runs. But I'm sure he doesn't like the fence being moved back all that way. But uh, is it? I don't know. Would would you would you keep this group together and see if you can poke around for a wild card? Or do you think that they're just going to do what they probably set out to do originally and just trade everybody because that's what they want to do? Justin, I'm sorry. I know these are your boys and them being so close must, must, you know, really, really get to you. But I'm selling. See ya. They, uh, listen, it's been a great season for them. That is awesome for those guys in that locker room to turn around like that and, and, Brandon Hyde, the manager, uh, that that's phenomenal. It really is. But the end of the day, right now, they don't have the talent to compete with the top teams there. I think, I think they they in the long run they end up falling short. If it'll still be for them, it'll be a great season uh, from the expectations that maybe not maybe they had. I'm sure they had expectations to do this, but the rest of the baseball world probably didn't see them this way. But I think Mancini, it's, it's, it's been a long time coming for that to happen. So I think that finally, that finally happens. He gets, he gets traded. Uh, And any other kind of rentals, you know, not the young, younger guys that they have uh, will probably go, but it's a great step in the right direction. And maybe this off season they, they make a, a little splash with a, with a free agent signing that helps accelerate that clock. And obviously they're on the right track, man. I mean, it's, I know it's been, I know it's been a tough go past couple of years for them, but man, good for them. Good for those guys in that locker room. That's, that's awesome. But I don't think, uh, I think when push comes to shove, yeah, they're probably gonna trade some of their guys and, and get some other players who were close to being ready to to impact that team and continue that rebuild. It's just it's it's hard because you, you want Trey Mancini to be Oriole for life, given everything he's been through, battling cancer. He was there. He started. I think his rookie year was 2016, so he's seen the playoff team, and then he watched them just drift off into the abyss, and he was kind of like there their rock, the, the one that fans would buy the jerseys knowing that we got Trey and it's, it's hard to watch somebody like that on the verge. And he's talked about how sad it's going to be when he's not an Oriole anymore. And that stuff kind of breaks my heart because I, I get that it's a business, but you know, I, I feel like there should be an exception to that. It's a business except for when you're talking about the guy that battled colon cancer and is, is the heart and soul of your franchise. So I personally would love to see them keep him, uh, but I don't think the odds are in are in that favor, um, you know, just because yeah. he's an impending free agent and and for everything else I said, they probably could find somebody pretty cheap to, to be the DH. Um, yeah, is he is he a free agent next year or is he still in arbitration? He's a no, he's a free agent next straight year. Straight up, unrestricted free agent okay. at the end of the year. Yeah, that would be my guess then if that that he's uh, he's walking. But maybe if he's that interested in being an Oriole, maybe they figure something out. And just keep him around, like you said, because he's been that he can be that leader and been that rock that's been there for a while to while they, they finish this thing off. But yeah, man, it's it's a tough business, but uh, you know, we'll get to other situations like this. But when a team knows a guy's probably leaving, you try to get try to get something <laughs> something out of it, especially for the teams with the lower payrolls. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe it could be in a role this Chapman to the Yankees situation. They trade him to the Cubs. He wins the World Series, comes right Come back. back. I love that. That's my favorite thing in sports, where you trade a guy away, and it's like uh, the the Simpsons meme where they throw the guy out of the bar, and he's just right back there. Um, so 
I wish that, but uh, the team, there's the Mets have shown the most interest in Trey Mancini, even though they traded for my guy, Dan Vogelbach. So they went out and they, yep. they acquired Dan from the Pirates, and they're still poking around at the Trey Mancini trade, uh, apparently to do a DH platoon, I, even though Trey hits right, everybody. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how that would work. But he you know what? I would be somewhat okay with that because he would get reunited with Buck Walter, and it would kind of be like the you know two, Orioles 2.0 over there in Flushing, Queens. Yep. I have not met Buck Walter, but I'd really like to do that. He's from Pensacola, where I live, so we got that connection. And anybody I know who's played for him has nothing but phenomenal things to say about him. So I'm sure Trey would like that too. I, I think and that would probably soften the blow. Yeah. We have, yeah, there's uh, pictures out there of him using Richie, his Richie bat fungo, which is pretty cool too. Buck? Yeah, Buck. Yeah, he's a big fungo. He's a big guy. He like, just walks around with it behind his back. At, like, uh, yeah, so he's carrying, uh, he's carrying a custom Richie bat fungo, which is, which is pretty cool. So he's supporting, <laughs> supporting, yep. Supporting hey, Pensacola. Who knows, man? Yeah. Who knows what the future holds for you? Know. You never know. Um, you never know. The next one, uh, it's kind of a big one. Ken Rosenthal uh, from The Athletic reported that the Angels are receiving calls on superstar Shohei Otani. And at first glance, you might be like, oh, pff, they're not trading him. Well, they're 40 and 56, the Angels are. They're, they're clearly done for the season. He's under team control through the 2023 season. And if, I didn't know this. This year, he's he's only making five and a half mil. Gun to my head, I would have thought he'd be four times that. I don't know how I don't know how that contract works. Whoever the agent is probably should fix that. I'll tell you how it works. First of all, when you <laughs> when you come over when they come over from Japan, man, there ha- there's hasn't been that many guys who've had a huge impact once they've come over. It's really, you know, Ichiro, Hideki Matsui, Hideo Noma was the first in in the nineties, really. But there's uh there's just as many, if not more, guys who've come over and are, you know, average. Yeah. Not bad, not bad players, but not Otani is a is a unicorn at this point. He's he's a different, you know, nobody saw this coming. And honestly, when when I saw him first granted this was his first spring training so he's you know that's just such a huge adjustment in life as you know i found out doing the opposite coming here and in baseball dude he couldn't hit a beach ball that first spring training i mean terrible obviously he made adjustments and figured it out because he's super talented and that's a lifetime ago now but yeah, that deal at first is not uh, some crazy deal. And obviously, he's turned into the MVP. The, I mean, hitting, unbelievable. Pitching, unbelievable. Like, I don't even know. I'm so interested to see that contract when it happens because I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I don't know what the comparisons are. I don't know the value. It, he's two players. Yeah. He's literally two players. He's a he's an unbelievable pitcher and an, un- an unbelievable hitter. Like I don't I, I he, he like you can't pay him 60 million dollars a year, but it's almost like he's worth technically more than anybody by a lot cuz he's doing two totally different things and impacting your team in two totally different ways. Literally yeah. pitching and hitting. It's insane. But when you talk about the trade, I got two sides to this. Or no, nah, probably three. One, I don't think there's any fucking way the Angels are trading him because that would just look so bad for them as an organization to, to trade Otani and not attempt to extend him, even though they're already paying, you know, Trout and Rendon and whoever else is in there. You got to try to keep Otani, right? Even though they, like you said, him and Trout hits four homers and Otani pitches a complete game, one hitter, and they lose well, fucking 5 4 somehow or whatever. Like, yeah, uh, it doesn't make any sense, but you got to try to keep Otani, right? The superstar he's turned into. 
that's one. Two, I think Rosenthal is just, you know, just wants people to click on that bad boy and get some rating in there. But three, it does, I will say, Rosenthal, it does kind of make sense because if you don't think that you can sign him again, you really going to let Otani walk without getting anything in return for it. Like he blossoms into this megastar on your team and then he just leaves and you you're left with nothing. I see the value in that. And I see what he's talking about. I mean, if you traded Otani, what, what kind of haul is that bringing back? I mean, you're getting some good players for sure uh, from that. So I get the rationale behind it, but in my opinion, there's just no way that they're actually going to trade you know, the, the unicorn that is Shohei Otani. Well, to that, I would say on June 1st, the Nationals general manager, Mike Rizzo said, oh, we're not trading Soto. Where are we at right now? So things change. Uh, the Angels have said that they do not want to do like a Juan Soto package for him. They only want established major league players in return. That's what that's the quote that they've got for Rosenthal in that article. So none of this, give me your top four prospects. It's literally like, give me your best young, actual good major league baseball players so we can do we don't have to do a rebuild we're gonna do like a plug and play situation um otani kind of like soto has expressed uh, a very stern desire to win and the angels are currently on track for their seventh uh losing season in a row not a lot of winning in anaheim i get everything that you said yeah you can't trade him it would look bad but i don't know at some point the organization's gonna have to look in the mirror and say a lot of what we've done hasn't worked rendon has not worked the only thing that we've done in recent years that's worked is locking Trout up, and he's perfectly content not winning because that's more time he can go out in the offseason and hunt. So he's kind of unique in that sense. Uh, but it's it's interesting. I would personally be entertaining every offer for Otani because can you think about the kind of prospect, and or not even prospect, just like the package that you could get uh, for that guy? Because if he's worth – I think I saw he, he generates on his own $10 million a year in revenue. I think, I think that was in that article. Um, this guy, he's electric. He's the face of baseball right now. And if, if you're the angels and you're staring down the barrel of winning 75 games again, why not? I don't know, man. I don't know what he's worth. I would love to see what he's worth because it's gotta be insane, but yeah, he's dude here. Every, every one of those games is on TV. Every one of the angels games is on TV. Cause everyone here is watching. He is a megastar. Like, uh, it's, <clears throat> I don't know if people in, in America understand just how big of a superstar he is. So I don't know. I don't know, man, that talk about, I don't know what a trigger, a trigger, a bigger trade would be. Soto leaving or Otani. I think it might be Otani. I, I think it would be Otani. A I bigger hope it would be story Otani getting traded. Yeah. <laughs> the bad PR. Just, uh, the Nationals just slide in there. Oh, Tony got traded. In there goes Soto. <laughs> and Soto's gone. But you traded the two-way guy. So. <laughs> yeah, but, but no, Otani got traded. Soto's just yes. That's the bad. headline on the 6 p.m. Sports Center. It's not that they traded Soto for guys that probably won't do anything. Probably. It's you just let the best yeah, hitter pitcher ever leave. Um. So please, April hey, 2.0 is gone. Literally, yeah. God. They, can you imagine? I'm, now I want that to happen just so we can bury the lead on that one. It's like a Friday news yep. dump at 5 p.m. <laughs> just slick it under the radar. Please. That's great. Maybe, maybe time it up. Maybe trade him to the Nationals. There you go. That would be sick. That would. I don't know. Just something, something to consider. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Soto in a little bit here. He's obviously the, the one that's that everybody else is talking about. He's driving all the headlines right now. But we have a couple other things we wanted to get to. Uh, namely, this clip from our guide MLB Network, Bill Ripken. So there was a clip a couple weeks ago. We, we posted on our Instagram at TikTok. On Instagram, it almost has 750,000 views on it, uh, which for a reel is insane. Like a TikTok, you can kind of see how those get big, but I feel like on reels, it's hard. Um, so... I'll, I'll kind of set it up. You can kind of give your thoughts and maybe I'll even play a little bit of it for you guys. Uh, so you can, you can understand what we're talking about, but basically it was about the league wide batting average being down. And Bill Ripken said, it's not this ridiculous velocity, but it's rather an acceptance with these guys at the plate who are okay with striking out because that all or nothing approach can lead to hitting homers. 
Guys, it's out there. There's, I, I, I'm not buying this argument that the league-wide average is down because of all this unbelievable, ridiculous vol uh, velocity. I'm not buying it. League average is down because people want to swing in mystery times and walk back to the dugout because if they do clip 102, they can hit a homer. Guys will go 0 for 4 with four punches and hit a ball into the seats and run around the bases like they did the greatest thing in the world a 1 for 5 day with a homer. That's why they're striking out. That's why the league average is down. It's not ridiculous velocity. Tell yourself you're not going to strike out. You know what you'll do? You won't strike out. And, and Brian, you obviously have some thoughts on that. Uh, what, what did you think when, when old Bill said that? First of all, I have so much. I already, we, I think it was last week or the week before I said all of this to you, not on when we were not recording. So I had my whole rant. I should have just recorded that. We could have did it now. But a few things. One, yeah, you put that clip up and I was just kind of, you know, just kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. Holy shit, that thing has turned into a monster. We got Evan Longoria over there totally commenting on it, talking with random people, defending the players today, which is awesome. All sorts of players liking it. Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> last time I looked, I looked at it, it had like 18,000 likes. I'm like, holy shit, what are we like? This is, I mean, huge. That's awesome. But <laughs> First, let's start by saying I saw multiple people commenting that Bill Ripken's career batting average was 246. So it's not like he was some 300 hitter discussing all of this anyway. But I think that Longoria's comment basically hit the nail on the head with, with it. And he more or less said that batting average is tied to the strikeouts because um, the way the defensive shifts are nowadays is taken away from the batting average. And yes, the velocity and all that. I mean, they're literally putting in rules or seriously considering putting in rules to stop <laughs> players from shifting. That's how much of an impact the MLB believes it's had on hits and batting average. So that's not making anything up right there. I saw it somewhere in the minors. They already put, you can't, they, they literally had a, a right angle in the middle of second base. So you, the position players couldn't stand there. Like that's insane. The whole argument is to me, it's, it comes back to like, guys who played in previous years not appreciating the type, like the evolution of players. It starts with that. You know, they think they played, not all these guys. Some guys think when they played, you know, th that was the best, the best baseball there was. Or you'd see, you hear people talk about in the NBA, like Jordan, those years, that was the best basketball being played and Draymond tweet, tweets out the other day like I just watched the finals from 96 and 98 and we would have beat the, the Jazz by 60 points like and they're probably right yeah. it's just guys and 20 years from now I probably would stink too like guys get bigger faster stronger and that's just how it goes so I think it starts there that he's just being nostalgic about the era that when he played Two is definitely the pitching. The pitching is better. Guys throw harder overall. The pitches are better overall. It is fucking hard to hit a baseball at the highest level. And then when you hit it, it's gotta find it's gotta find a hole. And now they're shifting and moving guys to where you usually hit the ball. And you can't, you know, it's not that easy to just hit 100 miles an hour wherever you want. So there's definitely that. But more so, in my opinion, in all of this, and this is what Evan Longoria was, was saying too, is that the game is valued differently these days. The guys who make the most money in the league as hitters are guys who can hit the ball over the fence. It's not, and I said this to you before, I still can't off the top of my head just think of some 
you know, like little leadoff hitter who's fast, who hits 350 or even 300 and is making all this money to be a leadoff speed guy. Like, I don't, I don't think that exists anymore. Um, um, have some power, even if they are that uh, a leadoff kind of hitter. So the game, and that comes from the front office. The front office doesn't value a guy who just puts the ball in play anymore. You know, when you put the ball in play, you got to do it with some sort of authority and you got to get on base on top of that. So this was the poll I put out about average versus OPS because nobody wants to hit 200 or 230. Everybody wants to hit 300. There's still something to be said for hitting 300. Like that is still the, you know, the grail there. But if you hit 300 with a 310 on base percentage and a 320 slug, that doesn't make you a good hitter. That means you swing a lot, you make contact, and you're pretty lucky. That's all, that's all that means. As opposed to a guy who hits 250 with a 360 on base percentage and, you know, 450 or slug or better. That means, you know, that guy's batting average is a little bit down, but he's getting getting on base by walks. He's not swinging at bullshit. And when he hits the ball, he's doing it with some authority, with doubles and homers. That's the guy that front offices value more nowadays. So when people complain that there's too much, too many strikeouts or guys are just trying to hit home runs, I mean, everybody wants to hit a homer, sure. But that doesn't mean you're out there trying to hit home runs. And nobody, trust me, nobody wants to strike out because striking out still sucks no matter what. But you can't blame players for trying to be the hitters that teams want and teams pay. So it's coming from the top down. And that's it's been going in this direction for years now. It's not a new thing. You know, the defenses get better and better and better <clears throat> until you hit the major leagues. Hits are hard to come by. So if you don't hit a ball hard, they're even harder to come by. And like I said, again, if you hit 300 and your on-base percentage isn't 370, it just means that you swing a lot, make contact, and are lucky. That's all it means. Like you're just – your your BABIP, your batting average of balls in play is through the roof. You're finding holes – and another guy who's doing the same exact thing might be hitting 220 because he's just not as lucky. Your best hitters hit 300 with the on-base percentage and the power. Those are the those are the dudes, and those are the guys that get paid. But the little guy who you know they that used to exist, but slapped the ball around and got on base, doesn't play anymore. And that's not the player's fault. That's that's the way baseball has gone. And that's how, in my opinion, the best hitters, OPS is how you value a hitter as opposed to, to strictly average. Now, I'm not saying if people are going to be, oh, Joey Gallo, the 180 and walks and homers. No, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it's okay to hit 180 or 220 or 240. But I'm saying that the OPS paints you a clearer picture of the type of hitter somebody is than just average. That's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I did just want to read yes, a couple of, of Longo's comments. No, it's great stuff. I, I, that's why that's why I wanted to do it. I, Longo's just lived in our Instagram comments the last couple of days. So yeah, that's that's great. Longo commented, striking out low batting averages aren't the same vein. Defensive positioning, better position, better pitching are the biggest factors. Plus, no one gets paid based off how many times they put the ball in play. If it was, if it's not important in today's game, uh, people would strike out less. And then he was replying to random people. He said, uh, until mediocre contact is rewarded, this will continue, which I do kind of believe. Um, 
and all what was the other one the point is is that it's becoming uh much more difficult with today's pitching to make quote unquote solid contact um this is obviously an issue that like why why can't everybody be right like why there doesn't i don't think there's a cut and dry like answer to all of this i think it's a combination of everything that we've talked about i do think that that pitching velocity has something to do with it everybody's throwing 100 probably harder although i i have seen guys talk about how you know, it doesn't like regardless of how fast they throw. You're a big league hitter; you could probably hit it. So, I don't know. There could be something to that. Um, and you know, defensive positioning obviously takes away hits, but also I do think there is this kind of like air about a strikeout that doesn't really, you know. So what? I do think that's right. I mean, if it wasn't, then why would guys still be getting paid? Well, I guess like what you said, because that's what the organization wants. But um, you know, I, I do think the the strikeout isn't like as bad now i don't know why can't everybody be right here you're kind you're you're on the right track like oh what was it when when someone strikes out everyone you know they look at it as like oh the hitter struck out he stinks instead of like appreciating what the pitcher did on the mound there to get him to strike out you know what i mean like nobody Fans just want to see some sort of action, but nobody, nobody's like, oh, that was that was a nasty pitch, like six strikeout. It's always like the hitters, like, you stink. Why'd you strike out? You know? So one, you gotta flip the way you look at it sometimes. Two, the fans can be right. Like, there's nothing wrong with with wanting less strikeouts and more action. That's that's okay. Like, I'm not, I'm not blaming you for wanting that i'm just telling you that that's not how the game is valued anymore and that it's harder to not strike out now than it was before overall overall of course there were great pitchers before so everyone can be right but i guess my biggest point is don't just be pointing the fingers at the players for what is going on you have to you have to go back and do a, a deeper dive and, and understand that this is the direction it's been going and that players are trying to <laughs> maximize their value make the most money they can and go look at all the big contracts and that's that's uh those are the guys that get them Aaron Judge will be making a lot of money off home runs this offseason so a lot of strikeouts in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, and I I listen, I strike out a good amount of times, not at the highest clip of some of these guys, but a little bit above average. I hate it. I fucking hate striking out. I literally cannot stand straight. It makes me more angry than anything on a baseball field, striking out. But at the end of the day, in most situations, there's not, there's not a difference between striking out and just making it out. Obviously, if there's a runner on third, less than two outs, and you can hit a ground ball or get a sack fly and, and get an RBI, that's different. Or moving a runner, you know, that's different. But in a lot, a lot of situations, striking out is the same shit as hitting a, a line drive right at the center fielder. And it's Maybe not in your head, too. but in the books. Yeah. So sometimes, listen – I get that they want more action. I get that they think the game is slow and there's not enough movement going on. I can understand that, but I think uh, we need to appreciate what pitchers are doing and how how good some of their stuff is. Oh, that's what I was going to say about the 100-mile-an-hour thing. Yeah, if if you set up a, a, a machine or a pitcher who's, who's thrown 100 and that's all he's throwing – you know, every time a hundred fastball is coming, yeah, guys are going to hit it. But when that same pitcher has a nasty slider and a changeup or something to go with it, and he can throw any of them at any time, that's when it's hard. Fair. Again, yeah, that's what I was going to say. These are the conversations that that we need to be having, and I thought it was an interesting enough clip to pull and put on our social media, and obviously people have responded well to it. So, uh, it's an interesting debate. <laughs> I don't, I think it's one that we need to be having more more often. Uh, cause I didn't, you know, you're saying a perspective that I hadn't heard before. And I think it makes a lot of sense. So, uh, I am glad, I'm glad we had that, that, you know, that back and forth. 
Uh, well, you know, the other thing you could do is just say you're not going to strike out, then you won't strike out. That's it. That's literally how simple it is. So I don't know why. If, if you haven't tried that method, you should, probably should. Um, I think it would save you a lot of heartbreak in the long run. But those. <laughs> I think I think that method has caused me to strike out more than it stopped me from striking out because it's just like the your brain doesn't recognize the not part of that. It's just like, oh, I'm going to strike yeah. out. Here we go. Which Maybe is actually reverse, a true psychological thing. Reverse psychology. It go up there thinking you're going to strike out. And then when you don't, you get a little reward for it. See, it, it just, try to go up there and just hit a line drive and see what happens. And then they swing and miss three times to walk back to the dugout. I love it. All right. Next up for you guys, we have the Joe Musgrove inaugural guest performance of the week. And this week it goes out to our guy, San Diego Padres first baseman, Eric Hosmer. Red hot at the plate since the All-Star break, batting 438, two doubles, a homer, and four RBI since coming back from the break. Uh, they showed a graphic on Sunday Night Baseball that I thought was really interesting, and I wanted to get your take on. So they said that Hosmer is tied for the league lead in ground ball rate with 57%, and then I, kind of, I also did a little further Googling, and he has the highest ground, ground ball to fly ball ratio in the NL. Um, and they were talking about his top hand, but I didn't really understand what that meant in the context of hitting a ground ball. Can you kind of break that down for everybody and, and talk about what the relationship is between your top hand and hitting it on the ground? Yeah, how's, that's something, you know, when we had him on here, he was talking about trying to adjust. Um, he's been a pretty big ground ball guy for most of his career. And he he's a you know, a lefty thrower, lefty hitter. So his top hand is his stronger hand, his, his, his left hand. Whereas for me, as a righty thrower, lefty hitter, my dominant hand is my bottom hand. But when your top hand is controlling that barrel, um, well, you know, most righty righties are like this. It's you, you kind of stay on top of the ball more, and that path can sometimes be more straight down as opposed to a little bit flatter. Uh, sometimes to get those line drives. So for him, man, he's just, uh, he, he sometimes it's just a little too on top and hits the ball into the ground, hits it hard, just, you know, a little more into the ground as opposed to the line drive. So that's, that's just uh, kind of where he's at. And um, I know he's done things to, to try to, to try to adjust that. And it's harder now too, because a lot of, the pitchers, uh, the way it's been going is the the four seam fastballs that look like they're, you know, rising instead of sinking um, at the top of the zone. So you gotta, you kind of gotta be on top of them to hit them or feel like you are because the ball's literally playing tricks on your eyes. You think your your eyes think that gravity is going to take over and the ball's going to come down some when in fact it kind of just stays and you swing and you don't hit it and you don't understand how. So. That's just kind of uh, what that's talking about. And, and Haas has done things to, to try to combat that. And obviously, see, man, when he hits those line drives, like the homer at the Mets, I mean, that ball's all Scherzer is smoked and see you later. So that's been his his battle. And But he's swinging it good, man. Yeah, if he could uh, – if his – if you know, he lowers that and the, those are all line drives or more line drives, man, I mean, he would hit the 330 like, like that. But that is uh, – Easier said than done. Sometimes it just happens. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't really, I don't think they did a very good job of explaining it on the broadcast. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's, that does seem abnormally high. I don't know why that is, but I think that makes way more sense now. Um, okay, so next up for you guys, we have the fudging awesome moment of the week. And who is it brought to us by? Fudging, mo- <clears throat> fudging awesome moment of the week is brought brought to us by the original Fudge Kitchen. Um, you can find them at fudgekitchenswithans.com, uh, making sweet treats, shipping them all over the country. My wife just said to me the other day how good the fudge looks on Instagram. I said, as soon as I get back home, we are ordering a bunch of it because I'm going to sit on the couch and eat it not move for about two weeks. But uh, for our Philly area and Jersey Shore people, they have locations at the Jersey Shore in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, Ocean City, if you're down there. Uh, go check them out. I know my brother's down there right now. I'm going to go send him that way. Uh, the stuff is awesome. You can find them at <coughs> fudgekitchenswithans.com. They ship all over the country. All right, so this week's moment. So on Saturday night during the Nationals and Diamondbacks game, which, wow, what that, the ratings for that one must have been through the roof. Uh, <laughs> and 
I can say that because I, I can make those jokes. They, the Nationals were down 7-1 to one in the eighth inning, and Victor Robles from the Nationals, he, he's not, not a prolific hitter by any stretch of the imagination. He hit his third home run of the season off Madison Bumgarner. He kind of admired it for a second coming out of the box, and even when he did start moving, it wasn't very fast. Uh, and so Madison Bumgarner took exception to that in his post-game little interview at his locker. Uh, he hit him with a golly, called him a clown, and uh, just basically said, you need to clean that up. And then the next day, Victor Robles comes out into the dugout, and he has a clown nose taped to his nose. So uh, I thought that was awesome. When you're as bad as the Nationals are, you got to have a little fun with these kind of things. And I know David Martinez, the manager, was not too thrilled about that for obvious reasons, but I bet behind closed doors gave him a high five. Uh, <laughs> so what did you think when you saw that? Yeah. I'm sure Dave Martinez is a tough spot, man, with, you know, World Series, and now he's just kind of dealing with this, but that's how it goes, and the whole Soto thing. But Bumgarner, man, I get, I see both sides of this for sure. Uh, you know, Robles, you're, you're losing. I mean, you're down, and you don't have a ton of homers. You probably – you probably could just, you know – take a little look and put your head down and go, or just at least run while you're, while you're admiring it. <clears throat> and nobody would say anything. Um, it wasn't like that home run took the lead or anything important. So uh, yeah. I understand that part, but also Bumgarner is no, is like notorious for this. I mean, the Max Muncy, the Max Muncy thing uh, when he was in San Fran, tell him to get it out of the ocean. Uh, you know, Bumgarner, if anyone hits a homer off Bumgarner, it's like you better you better put your head down and sprint around those bases or you're a clown. Um, and that's, I mean, come on. Come on, dude. Like, get over it. It's uh, You can strike people out and, and do whatever you want, or you can complain about every pitch not being called a strike, but if someone hits a homer off you, they, they're not allowed to, to look at it at all. So, Robles, I mean – Maybe maybe pick a better time to to pimp a homer, but Bumgarner, ease up a little bit, brother. I mean, you pitched a great game. You're right. You're right. It was a bad time for him to sit there and pimp the ball, but everybody sees that. You don't need to use your post game press conference to to call him out on it. And well, I will yeah. say, sorry, last thing. Dominican guys, the way they play the game. Is different than American guys in general, but especially Madison Bumgarner is a country boy from, I believe, North Carolina, who's out there bull riding under fake names in the offseason. And that's that's how he rolls. Robles is from the Dominican, and I've met him down there, and I've played winter ball for a couple of years. They pimp everything. It's not seen as disrespectful to them. It's seen as like enjoying the game. You know about my home run pimp job down there. That looks like I hit a walk off to win the World Series. It was like the <laughs> fifth inning. So it's just, it's just, that's, it's not insulting to them. They're just celebrating playing the game. Didn't Madison Bumgarner have that stare down with Joe West for like 10 minutes? Was that him? Yeah. That was kind of, yeah, that was it. We, that's it. That's his vice. You know, that's, that's his thing that he likes to do sometimes. Uh, that could be considered showing up the umpire when you have a staring match on the field. Uh, and I forgot about him. He does ride bulls under a fake name. That is very, very funny. Um, so yeah, it's a tough scene, but when you're Victor Robles and that's your third of the year and you don't hit that many, why not admire it? Come on. He's going to hit like two more of the rest of the year. He's probably gonna have five when the, when the year's done. So why not? Hey, you know, let me let me admire it for just a second. I would. No one even would have even noticed. No one would even know about it if Bumgarner didn't say anything. They wouldn't even, you know, I would have known. I would have never known he gave up a home run that game. Yep, because again, it's the Nationals and the Diamondbacks. Um, but anywho, uh, next up for you guys, <laughs> we have, we have our right, moving right along. We have our top five for this week. But before we do that, we have to clean up the one from last week. I finally won one. So put one in the win column. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was the top five non-All-Stars you want to build your team around. I took that one home 74-26. to 26. I'm 2-3 and three on the Eater. season. Uh, well, Tatis Magic, 
Brian's three and two, <laughs> and we tied one. So uh, you're still in the season lead here. This is going to be a little fun thing to keep track of. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just want to give myself a quick little pat on the back for that one. That was that was good thinking on my part. We're almost at 500, boys. We're almost there. You're, pro- you're probably going to win this one, too, out of spite. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Back-to-back, that's unheard of for me. Uh, this week, for our top five, we're doing the top five teams that need Juan Soto the most. It's not the most likely destinations for Juan Soto. I want to make that clear. It is the top five teams that need Soto's services the most. Uh, and I will start us off with number five. I am looking to you, the Tampa Bay Rays, Kevin Kiermeyer, and Mike Zanino are done for the year. Then we have two guys with double-digit homers. And if they wanted to, because I know money's a thing, they could trade Juan Soto whenever they wanted after they get him. So, you know, if you want to have him for just this year, you want to get weird, trade him at the, trade in the offseason or have him for two postseasons. Why not? You're Tampa. Uh, that is number five. Number four, I have the San Francisco Giants. They're at 500. They're two and a half games back of a wild card. They're dying for a superstar. When Buster Posey retired, that was that was a tough deal because they really didn't have anybody to take his place. Uh, they were in on Stan. They were in on Harper. They only have three guys with double-digit homers. It's Jock Peterson, Wilmer Flores, and Darren Ruff. So that would be a fun bar trivia question. I forgot Darren Ruff was still playing. Um, so that is number four. The Giants, come on, need a little juice there. Number three, the St. Louis Cardinals. Locked in a heated battle with the Brewers for the NL Central. The team has the prospects, they have the money, and are you telling me a lineup with Arenado, Goldschmidt, and Soto wouldn't be the most electric television? I mean, I would watch every single Cardinals game. That is number three. Number two, I have the Seattle Mariners. Julio Rodriguez is banged up with his wrist thing, but the point still stands, the outfield needs help. I was watching the other night, Frazier's playing left again uh, because obviously the, the outfield needs a little help in the corners. They got Dylan Moore who's hitting under 200 out there every night too, so... Soto could come out there and inject a little juice to that lineup. Him hitting back-to-back with J-Rod, electric. And then finally, last but not least, number one, the San Diego Padres. They're 25th in the league in home runs. They're 26th in the league in slugging percentage. They need some juice for that lineup when Tatis comes back to create the greatest 2-3-4 combo in the history of baseball with Tatis, Machado, and Soto. Uh, it would be just nonstop primetime TV right there. So that is my number, uh, that's my number one. Uh, what do you think? I, I agree with with a lot of that <clears throat> right there. Um, we have three, three of the five that I have are the, are are the same, are repeats of yours. Uh, so I'll, I'll get I'll get to all mine in a second. But no, I, I agree. I think you make good points about about all of them. The Giants are a pretty interesting one. Um, you're right. They need a superstar. They need they need some juice. Uh, they got the money to do it. It's just. <sighs> Something about Soto and San Diego and uh, San Francisco it's like just, just like doesn't click in my brain. I don't know why, but it'd be cool to be seeing them hit balls in the McCovey Cove like like Bonds used to. So can you imagine? Maybe you're right about that, dude. The NL West would be absolutely electric if you sent Juan Soto to the to the Giants. I mean, any of those places, but to the Giants too. Yeah, time will tell. But my five, and people are gonna get very mad at me, and that's why I'm doing it. Uh, starting with number five is the Mariners. You're right. They need some help in that outfield. They're coming on, you know, they, they've been coming on strong, f- I believe 14 straight going into the all-star break. Uh, so they're, they're making their move there. The Astros, man, they just don't stop. So Mariners need a little, little something extra. I think Monsoto could definitely help them out and they have the prospects to do it. Uh, <clears throat> more on that. In a minute. Number four, the Yankees. Why don't the Yankees need Juan Soto? Of course they need Juan Soto. They're the best team in baseball. Why not stick them out there in, in the outfield too? Let them hit some dingers in the short porch over there in right field. And I know everyone's going to be mad about this, but yeah, why not? Yankee, if your team doesn't want the Yankees to take, they'll win a World Series again. And we'll have to listen to their amazing fans talk about that for the 50,000th time. Uh, anyway, number three. The Los Angeles Dodgers, why don't they need him? Because guess what? If your team doesn't trade for him, it's going to be the Yankees and the damn Dodgers. So, yeah, stick him out there with the rest of that team, with Mookie and Freddie Freeman and Trey Turner, and they'll just be another super team. And we'll watch them win the World Series, because why not? Because nobody else wants to trade for Juan Soto. So let's do it. We'll give them to the Dodgers, because that'll be fun. Number two are the Padres. Now – Padre Twitter, 
has been going off on me. Um, I've seen a lot of things said. I never – my point in all of this was that not wanting to trade prospects for Soto is nuts, and I still fully support that, and I would trade any of those guys in the minor leagues for Soto because, like you said, that two, three, four of Soto, Tatis, and, and Machado and whatever order you want to put them, I mean, I don't know if there's a better three hitters than those guys. I, that's un, unreal. I mean, you imagine that lot. Like, that's insane. It would be nothing guarantees a World Series, as a lot of people have let me know. Um, and that is very, very true. But trading for Juan Soto and having that be your lineup, I definitely is, I definitely think is a, is a healthy start. Um, I would love to see it, man. I would love to see San Diego <clears throat> get a World Series. Uh, I know that place would be insanity. So I'm hoping if Soto gets traded, that's what happens. Somebody said I said to trade Jake Cronenworth for him. Never said that. Uh, don't know where that came from. But, yes, your top five prospects, see you later. Give me Soto. And I tweeted yesterday, you know, would, it, would you would you take a World Series and then be average or worse for the next couple of years? And most people, the answer was a resounding yes, which is my point. Uh, you go for it and you worry about the other stuff later. Um, and if it doesn't work, well, shit, it didn't work. But you tried. And number one, I just think it would be super interesting is the Rays. The Rays to get Juan Soto, I mean, good team. Like you just you just mentioned, Kiermaier's done for the year. Margot's been out. They have uh, needs in the outfield in the outfield there. He could be their big bopper. And it would just be cool to see a player like Juan Soto on the Rays. I don't know how long, like you said, he would be there. I don't think they'd be paying all the money that he is going to want. Um, or even next year we'll get in arbitration. But at least for one playoff run to see him in a raised uni in, in Tropicana and, you know, the I'm sure they would get some good fans to come out there and see him. It would just be really cool to see Soto uh, in a raised uniform and, I think uh, they could definitely use them. So, so that's my top five right there. You know, I just want to prove the point that nobody wants to see him on the Yankees and Dodgers. So for the love of God, another team, please trade for him and let's have at least some fun with it instead of watching him in pinstripes or in LA, just win another world series for a team that we've already seen win. Why not? Yeah. I saw the Indians potentially. Uh, there's some like small market teams that are sniffing around on this guy. I, you know, I, I obviously don't want to see him leave, but I really don't want to see him leave and go to the Yankees or the Dodgers. So if it's anybody, maybe somebody in the heartland, if somebody like a, a good, wholesome, small market team in flyover country wants to take Juan Soto for however long they want to have him for, I'm all for it. And yeah, Tampa would be, I, I think they might finally start drawing a crowd in, in Tampa. I, I think that they would like, they would pack that dome. They untarp those upper deck seats that they have tarped off. I think I'm sh- Tampa, I'm sure, has the prospects to get it done. Oh, yeah. Um, man, they've just – they've been so close. I feel like adding a guy like Juan Soto's caliber to, to that lineup, man, might finally put them over the top. I mean, and then to them, you know, <clears throat> you pay him for this year. And like you said, you trade him again if that's what you want to do. And you get your World Series – everyone's happy man. and then yeah. you get you get back some of the guys you gave up it's uh it's definitely an, an interesting thing and that goes for the other teams too i mean my whole point in all of it is not was you know not talking about money or like the inner workings of, of something like this and the padres you know not talking about i don't know what mr seidler and those people are comfortable with in terms of the luxury tax and all those other implications. I was purely speaking about not wanting to trade prospects for him because that is banana lands to me. So we'll see what happens. Just please God, not the Yankees or the Dodgers, anybody else other than them. I, please, think, GMs I think the out rest there, of America is please. right there with you. 
I did want to issue a correction. I think I just said I think I just said Indians. I, they're the Guardians, so I would like to issue a correction. Uh, and, oh, wow. Yeah. Old habits die hard. Yep. Yeah. What are you gonna do? They were the Indians for a long time. Yep. Guardians. Cleveland yep. Guardians. The Guardians are interested in Juan Soto, so would like to clean that up. Uh, but dude, this has been a lot of fun. Little trade deadline preview. We got to make sure next week's episode we'll be able to recap, and and we'll be a hundred percent right on all of our predictions as always. No doubt. I'm looking forward to this this trade deadline, and yeah, we'll be back with a guest next week, and we will talk about how smart I am with all my predictions this week. Undefeated. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. Son